Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Okay, because I think repetition's a good thing, I'm going to read a chunk of this gospel again just so we can hear it again, the very beginning. Jesus says, Stay awake, for you do not know on which day your Lord will come. Be sure of this, if the master of the house had known the hour of night when the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and not let his house be broken into. So too, you also must be prepared, for at an hour you do not expect the Son of Man will come. Okay, no need to raise hands. Uh, but who heard this gospel and like these words from Jesus and felt your heart like relax, like drift into this deep repose, this deep sense of peace or joy? Okay, no need to raise hands, I know. Okay, let me ask this question. Who heard this gospel and felt your heart kind of get anxious, a little bit nervous, a little bit scared even, right? Me too. Okay, I know we didn't raise hands, but me too. All right, let me be clear about this. Let me be clear about this. Jesus is not trying to induce panic in our hearts. He's not trying to induce panic in you and me. Um, when he says stay awake and he uses this, this imagery of a thief, he's not, he's not trying to freak us out. Yes, there is in the Gospels, there is in the writings of St. Paul, this strong impetus that runs throughout the whole thing, this, this strong impetus to conversion. St. Paul talks about, yes, now is the day of salvation, all of those things. Like, we do not take in the church or in the scriptures, there's not a sort of um, like hakuna matata, laissez-faire, just you do you, man, sort of approach to people's conversion. That's not how we think about these things. Nevertheless, in, this, in that same message, there is never meant to be a tone of panic. There's never meant to be this like notes of anxiety. Jesus is not trying to make us scared. He's not trying to scare us. He isn't scary. His second coming isn't scary. It's not scary. And I know this is going to sound crazy. Even our death, it's not meant to be scary. It's not supposed to be scary. Okay, granted all of that. So here's the question. Why does it sound like he's trying to scare us? In this gospel. Okay. Because I would suggest this. We're missing the wider context. We're missing the wider context. This is what I was kind of getting to a bit yesterday with the whole notion of the gospel versus the gospels. That we as Catholics, we often just hear chunks of the gospels proclaimed to us without having the much broader uh, intertextual context. So let's get into that. So where are we here in Matthew's gospel? We're near the end. We're near the end where Jesus is laying out a vision for his friends of his returning in glory. He's laying out this long vision of his returning in glory and he's giving them this series of images, this series of parables for his apostles to kind of grasp it a little bit. So what do we hear in this section from Matthew's gospel? We've got the parable of the wedding banquet where we hear about this king who throws a wedding feast for his son, a wedding banquet for his son. Right? And he says, he invites everyone to his feast. He sends out messengers to all parts of the realm. 
My hall must be filled. Go out to the highways, the byways, the hedgerows. Invite people to the feast. He wants his hall to be filled. He's saying that heaven is like this wedding banquet. Okay, next section there, next section of Matthew's gospel, Jesus begins denouncing the hardness of heart of the scribes and Pharisees who are just refusing to open their hearts to his presence right in front of them. Like, there he is, love incarnate, standing in their midst, and they are willfully blind. They are willfully choosing to say no. They're saying, we don't want you. It's the same sadness, the tragedy that will happen at the end of his life, where they say, we don't want that one. We want Barabbas. Right? This is Jesus, his heart breaking for them. Then we have Jesus' lament over ancient Jerusalem, soon to be destroyed. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How I would gather you to myself like a mother hen gathers her chicks beneath her wings. His heart is breaking that the ancient city, the bride of Yahweh, is refusing to recognize the hour of her visitation. Her heart, her gates are staying closed to him. And then we have the gospel that we just heard, this need for watchfulness. Followed immediately after this comes the parable of the ten bridesmaids, right? The, the foolish and wise virgins. The ones who have oil in their lamps and their wicks trimmed, they're ready to light their lamps when the bridegroom returns for the celebration of the wedding feast. And then the foolish ones who are not ready for his, his coming in the night. Okay, it's a very important context. Like, what is all of this communicating here in the end of Matthew's gospel? Not a sense of fear and foreboding, but if, it, if it's communicating anything, it's communicating this unbelievable longing in the heart of Jesus for his heart to be met with our openness, with our receptivity, our willingness to let him in. Fulton Sheen was the one who said, when the final pages of human history are written and closed, the saddest words of all will be said that there is no room for him in the inn. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. There is no room for him in the inn. Like that whole drama at the beginning of his life is played out in every stage of his entire life, and it's played out in every stage of human history throughout the history of the church. The incarnate God, Jesus in the flesh, is begging of humanity, let me in. Will you provide a manger for me to rest and be at repose in your heart? His heart is longing for our openness, our receptivity, our willingness to let him in. In other words, the words that we have here from Jesus in the gospel, they are, like I said, they are sandwiched between the parable of the wedding banquet and the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. So who is it that's coming to us? Not some terrifying thief in the night, but the thief of mercy. The thief of mercy. Therese of Lisieux, she talks about this parable. She says, if I hear a bump in the night, I will run to him. Because the one who is coming, the one who's rummaging around in my house at night is the thief of mercy. How do you prepare for the thief of mercy? You do the opposite of how you prepare for worldly neighborhood thieves, right? We lock our doors, we set our alarm systems, we, we bolt our, you know, put away our valuables, all those sorts of things. In other words, we shudder the things that are valuable. The way you prepare for the thief of mercy is the exact opposite. 
You unlock the doors. You open the cabinets. You open everything. You spill it all out on the floor and you say, here, come in. What do you want? And he'll say everything. He'll say everything. So friends, the same Jesus who will come to us in the end in glory, who will call us to himself in our death at an unknown hour, in an unknown moment, that same Jesus is coming to us, right, in word and in the sacrament, right here in this Mass. And again, I've preached on this before, but that moment right before the Eucharistic prayer really begins where I say to you, where Jesus says to you, lift up your hearts. And you respond, we lift them up to the Lord. That is how you respond to this. This is how you open everything in you to the floodwaters that are coming from his heart. I often think, I think many Catholics, many, yeah, many Catholics expect more out of an, they expect a greater effect out of an aspirin than they do out of receiving the Eucharist. They will have a greater effect in them than receiving the Eucharist. Let us approach him with hearts that are open, showing him the places where we need his grace to touch us, opening those deep places, saying, Lord, come in, come in. Here's your manger today. Here's your place to rest. Here's your place of repose, but come in.